1: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I think there are a couple of might have been two-minute situations where Chris is our third down back, and he's the guy that runs the option routes and the choice routes from the backfield, so that could have been the case. Maybe either third down as well. Uh, but obviously, i uh, like to have Chris or uh, James in there. I, I don't know if it was 15 or 16, but uh, we had a couple packages where he might have been out of the game, but for the most part, James should be in there um, unless it's two-minute or third down. I thought that was interesting. I think Gene uh, Fournette brought it up, said 15 out of 16 plays. I want to say down in the red zone area, well, Robinson was out. I think the one play he was in might have been the fourth and one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that. So that Jay Gruden said uh <laughs> he regrets the fourth and one play uh and there was a lot of emphasis today on the talk of the first three quarters that they're more balanced than it looks because they're playing from behind although i think everybody admits they need to give it to james robinson more Mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting to see like i said my concern this week is they just go total 180 and all of a sudden james robinson has like 28 carries and they don't throw the ball at all and now we're begging for him to throw it
0: (laughs) they start running the wishbone or something yeah
1: yeah, exactly
0: put miller back there finally is, I, it, is he still on the team By Sorry. Is he still on the I, he, team? I looked
1: yesterday. Bruce Miller. Okay. Yeah, and he is. Okay. Uh, I was like, did we miss a transaction in here? Yeah. And um, apparently we have not. So um, the, you know, you got to be careful not to go the complete other way. Mm-hmm. I think if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars in this situation and just panic and and again, I call it grasping for straws because if you just stick to what you got, just do it a little bit better. Right. I mean, that's probably some of the things that they're teaching and preaching to these young guys. You don't need to go off the, the cliff here, mm-hmm. uh, because I think there's a lot of good things they're doing on offense. I mean, if you count up their drives and how many good drives they've had, there's been a lot of them. You know, they missed a ton of points the last two weeks. You know, from a couple of plays, a holding penalty, missed field goals, fourth and ones. They've missed a ton of point opportunities in the last couple of weeks. And so I would say you're not that far off, but you also have to account for the opponent's weakness. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's really what I think they've got to do a better job of. Uh We'll see if they if they do it. Hey, the big news, the Florida Gators LSU game. Uh Postponed. It was supposed to play Saturday at four o'clock. Not happening. COVID-19. Uh, Dan Mullen, if you're just jumping in, uh, I'm sorry, Scott Strickland, the A.D., said that uh, half the, more than half the scholarship players are either quarantined or tested positive. There are 21 players in all that have tested positive. Three walk-ons, 18 scholarship players. And so uh, everything's shut down at Florida right now. hmm you brought up an interesting question earlier. It's like, what's the Big Ten thinking? Well, I would say I would even expand that. What's the rest of college football thinking? You know, what what is this just like, hey, we knew this would happen. Don't panic. This is bound to happen. You know, I mean, it's this kind of world we're living in. Mm-hmm. But don't panic here. Or do you start reconstructing the way you're thinking, uh, especially if you're a Big Ten, especially if you're a Pac-12, especially if you're some of these conferences that opted in once they saw it working and people playing and there was a lot of pressure for them to say hey we're going to play they succumbed to that pressure yeah and now there might be some messy scheduling conflicts you don't even know if you can make it through it what should the rest of college football do man i think that right now this is
0: one circumstance right so i think that you pot committed It's all systems go, and you hope that it works out. And they're not the only team. Keep in mind, like I think you know, Notre Dame missed a couple, like two games, right? Because or just one game. Well, they had
1: a bye week one. Okay, so it was one game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Florida's not the first school to go through this. Now Notre Dame obviously came off the other side looking okay. They're back playing football again, so it's not the death sentence. Let's just say. And I think if I'm the Big Ten right now, if I'm the Pac-12 coming out, like obviously there's going to be more caution now. But to me, I mean, they're already at a lose the situation as it was, right? Because you made the mistake of kind of jumping the gun a little bit and saying, we're not going to play. And then you came around and said, well, we are going to play. And now if you come back and all of a sudden everybody's forfeiting because everyone's getting sick, well, then you're going to look pretty bad when you went against your word once again and said, well, we're going to come back and play. Uh, maybe we should have stayed out, um, you know, of the pool. Let's just say like that. So right now I'm not going to panic quite yet, Brent. But obviously, it deserves your attention. It deserves to be a little more, um, I guess, negative and how you feel about the college football future shaking out. And if it's going to happen in Florida, where else is it going to happen?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, it gives people pause. I don't think there should be any, you know, radical reaction to this. Yeah, I'm not hitting the panic button. I think there's been a – here's what you do. The headlines are – what is the cancellation, right? The positive tests. What did they do in the course of travel to Texas A&M that changed from maybe their course of travel uh, against Ole Miss? Because Mm -hmm. they went to Ole Miss and and the numbers didn't go crazy. Uh, They played a home game in the Swamp. Numbers didn't go crazy. They went to Texas A&M. The numbers spiked. So what happened? They have to figure that out. And they're still in the process of – Scott Strickland said, hey, that's – we believe, you know, our suspicion is the word he used, Mm -hmm. is that's where this thing went awry. So – You've got to have ADs and, and schools talking to each other, coaches talking to you about what you're doing and the precautions uh, that you're taking. I, he said something interesting today in, in the news conference. said he doesn't think, based on the information that he's received from doctors and other teams, whether it's uh, soccer teams, NFL teams, anybody else, that COVID has been given to others in open-air practices. So, hmm. like, if you're outside – and if you're in a game, mm-hmm. the transmission from one person to another, they they don't they haven't seen that. Like mm. he went as far as say there might not even be a case of it. Sure, but if so, they're very rare. Yeah, it's so more about where those closed situations are: planes, buses, parties, uh, parties,
0: parties. Um, you're in college parties, beaches,
1: yep, uh, bars, yep. Um, you know, or. You know, if you're not doing the right thing inside facilities, Mm -hmm. you know, those those kind of things. So weight rooms. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So they feel pretty safe if if they're minimizing the risk internally at their, say, campuses or headquarters. And then once you get outside, it's um, it doesn't seem to be a bit as big of a problem, um, at least from the folks that have experienced this in leadership positions right now. That's what Scott Strickland was indicating today. So it 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 really does eliminate some of the you know cause for concern because now you just go back and retrace what you did like what have you been doing like mm-hmm. where did, is it a party right yeah. is it a bus or a plane yeah. that you took you have to go track track those steps and trace those steps and figure out okay what's the solution here how do we not let this happen again
0: is it 90,000 fans at a football game in the <laughs> swamp you know no um listen And I've been very adamant about this. I think the NFL is one thing because, obviously, you're getting paid a lot of money um, to be a professional. And, you know, the the Titans failed with flying colors, if you will, in doing that. Um, Hopefully there's no more circumstances like that. But college is different. College is different when you have students on campus, when you have, you know, college kids doing college things. And that includes partying. like. I think that it's unrealistic to ask universities and kids, especially even football players, and I get there's a lot at stake, but to expect those football players to all just follow the rules and say, you know what, I'm not going to go out you know, during this bye week. I'm not going to go out on a Sunday night because I'm just going to stay home, watch Netflix because I, that's what's right. Like, yeah, there's going to be a majority of people that probably do that. But the there's a, definitely a minority of kids that want to get out there with the full college experience, and unfortunately, that comes at the circumstances of maybe canceling some football games.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's a, I think it's a tougher. It's easy to sit here, you know, from far away and be like, um, yeah, yeah, they shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. I I do yeah. think there's almost this once you're playing sports and you're living your everyday life, there's almost this comfort level of like, oh, okay, we're kind of back to normal, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so for a college kid. It's even more that, yeah. Uh, and and this all start again. Strickland was saying it was like sniffles and allergy related things, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I think we're all wondering. Okay, every time I sneeze, every time I sniffle, okay, uh, is this allergy season coming up? Which I think I even said to you in a break the other day, It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, like because I'll, I'll have allergy season coming up. Sure. Is it allergies? Yeah. Uh, do you have something? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tell the difference? Yeah. And I think that was part of the concern of. You know, guys were complaining of stuff that was could have been anything, any Mm -hmm. year, and all of a sudden it was you know, COVID nineteen. So
0: uh, yeah, at the end of the day, college kids are gonna be college kids. Like part of the experience of playing college football is when you walk into those parties, people start to whisper, That guy's really big. He must play for the Florida Gators, (laughs) things like that. Now I I don't get the experience like I went to Murray State and they're like, Does he play basketball? No, he plays football. Yeah. Whatever. He's not a basketball player. So be it. But that's, you know, it's just, it's part of being a college kid. I just hope that a majority and most of those, you know, student athletes out there get what's at stake right now and obviously do the right thing.
1: All right. Speaking of COVID-19, the Jaguars have just traded for a player that's on the COVID-19 list. Yep. For the Tennessee Titans. An in division trade. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and they did that within the last hour. Of national reports and uh can confirm that the sources uh also uh confirm that to me that well, the Jaguars are making this trade.
0: And according to Mark Long here, uh the Jaguars are traded a sixth round pick in two thousand twenty one. Um and then the Jaguars get the player and Tennessee's
1: seventh rounder in two thousand twenty one. Uh the uh player is There it is. I know this player, but I'm going to make sure I say his name right. There it is. Come on, Brent. What do you got for us? Kamale Correa. That's how you say it. Kamale Correa. Kamale Correa. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and is not is Correa the one that made the nice play on the squib kick? Is he the one that did that? In the Tennessee game? He might have been. He might uh, not be. Yeah, for some reason, know. his name comes to mind that he might have made that play. Somebody shoot me a. Tw- tw- I don't know. If, if All I know about this guy is he's play got that. a St. Louis Cardinals tattoo
0: on his arm, so he's off to a horrible start. Bad start. Yeah, not going to be on the show anytime soon.
1: Um, Sorry, man. I don't care about the Cardinals tattoo. Well, I but do. It's like having a County Yankees tattoo, Brett. Why Would did you have the Jaguars trade for an outside linebacker?
0: Oh, he's an outside linebacker? Or for a, or, I mean, yeah, a linebacker I in general? He, I thought he said it was an outside Yeah, linebacker. listen, I mean, when you break down the moves here, like... Linebacker is not the the need right now. I would say, right? I think more maybe interior defensive line. I'll tell you what kind of and once again,
1: I, it's a six round picks so call it what you want it. Well, by the way, they swap this, picks, so the picks are almost irrelevant. Pretty the, much, the Titans got a sixth, uh, and the Jags get their seventh. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a swap of picks. So for the player, it's so maybe like special teams irrelevant. purpose.
0: Yeah. So special teams purposes possibly also like the thing that's kind of eerie though is the fact that he's on his last year of his contract. So, so the Jaguars have him essentially for this year, and then he's free to do whatever he wants to do. Now, maybe he makes an impression, maybe he sticks on this team, but like, you know, I, I just, I have a hard time believing that a guy that you sign with, how, what, 12 games left, now 11
1: games left, um, is gonna stick around for another contract. Well. So that's weird. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's someone they start building toward. Listen, I don't know enough about him uh, to know. I I do think he is a special teams player. Yeah, uh, the linebackers usually are. It adds some depth at linebacker. I mean, to me, this is a pretty, yeah, whatever. Kind of trade, you know. Mm-hmm. This isn't a blockbuster. This isn't getting the headline. I don't even know where it will factor in. I don't even know if we'll notice him on the on the field. Uh, whether it is special teams or at linebacker, is it a depth play? Is it a forward thing? I mean, listen, the Jaguars in their linebacker spot are. Are fine. They they have Miles Jack, they have Joe Schubert, they're paid them. I mean, so they're invested in their linebacker. But it begs the question, too, the strong side linebacker, right? Because that's what we think he is, right?
0: Yeah, so I'm saying Leon Jacobs got hurt. Cassius Marsh kind of. Or went the edge a couple times uh, last week against the Texans. So they don't have confidence
1: in, in Marsh.
0: So, so possibly it could be Marsh, where they need a guy to stop the run on those you know first and second downs
1: um, in that base package. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I mean it plugs a hole. Yeah. Maybe helps on special teams. It's just not a wow trade. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting that it comes uh well, with the Tennessee.
0: And Tigers. also, I want Shaq Quarterman to play as strong side the linebacker, so I can go three for three well, in my predictions
1: it, and training you camp. You know, that's an interesting part of it too. It's mm-hmm. like is is more of a depth, or is he not ready? Jack Quarterman, yeah. Well, I think he's more of a middle well, he's linebacker. Middle linebacker, but he yeah. could, could. I mean, tell me the the nuances of sliding from you know what? Mike it's to to strong side. Very very small nuances. Because like they asked, well, first of all, they've asked Miles to play every linebacker position, correct? And they asked Puzz to do it.
0: It would be the easiest transition to go from from middle to Sam as opposed to going from middle to weak or weak to middle. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the easiest transition. Well,
1: it's almost like you, you're a different kind of style of guy on the weak side, right? Correct. No doubt. Yeah, No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's a speed, agile, yep. yeah. super it, it's, athletic It's more guy. east
0: to west. You have to read and recognize. You have to react and like, have Puzz speed. Like Puzz could not
1: have played weak side.
0: No, no, no. Strong side, it's more of like, think of like a box safety, right? Like where you have essentially one gap. You got to stop the run. You got to be physical. You got to come downhill. And you have to be able to, to you know, see what's happening in front of you.
1: So anyway, the Jaguars uh, make a trade for a linebacker from the Tennessee Titans, and uh, Kamale Correa. Nice. Kamale done, Correa. Uh, there it is. I still want to find out if he's the one that got the squip kick. Yeah. I feel like I might be right on that.
0: I mean, I, I can Google it quick. I, you I can. can find out.
1: I just, I, I just want to really put a feather in my cap and be like, that's him. Okay. Could be wrong, but it could be him. It won't be the first time. Let me check it out here. All right. Uh, more on the Titans, because I do want to mention something about the Titans. I tweeted this yesterday, okay? As the Titans won after a 15-day layoff, and the Titans dealing with all the COVID stuff, and they created their own mess, by the way. Mm. Sorry, Ryan Tannehill. Sorry, Taylor Luan. the victims of yes. COVID-19. Crime me a river, huh? But you have to acknowledge this, and this is what I said, and I'm sorry if it sounds harsh. I've been around here long enough to they know. They cheated because they were working out together the whole time. Yeah, they did that, too. Yeah. You don't need practice. Yeah. But I said, Jags have such a long way to go again. There's no way they would win a Tuesday night game after dealing with COVID for 15 days. The mental toughness and winning culture Rabel has created in short order is impressive. They don't wow you. They just win. And again, I'll remind you of the stats. I mean, it's like 188 yards passing, at least at the time, I think, uh, when I wrote this for Tannehill. 57 yards rushing for uh, uh, Derrick Henry, even though the stiff arm did wow you. And and they were just super efficient, and they do what they do. And and it reminded me of something you say about the Titans, because I can't stand the Titans. But you, when you try to talk me into the Titans sometimes, you say they know who they are, mm-hmm. Right. And once again, super evident that they know who they are. And uh, they don't need practice to reassure them of who they are. Uh, it, it's That win was a mental toughness win, in my opinion. The Bills are pretty good. But the Titans showed that in the first three games of the season, they showed they know how to win. They won by a combined six points. Mm-hmm. Then they have all this stuff happen. And all they do is go out and put their best performance of the year. They score 42 points, perfect in the red zone, seven touchdowns, and just execute with super efficiency. I think they accomplished something from a turnover and scoring in the red zone that New England did like back in 2007 and seven and eight. So it hadn't been done in the league since then. How do the Jags get it? Like, what we've seen so many tries and attempts at trying to fix it. Yeah, You can't fault the Jags for trying. I mean, they've had GMs and coaches and owners and quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and some good players, Mm -hmm. uh, some swings and misses. You know, everybody tries to plug the holes and figure out the formula to win. Some people do it better. And sometimes you do it better with a, a franchise quarterback and you start building around them. Patrick Mahomes, the combination of him and Andy Reid. And, and by the way, a core talent that was already there. I'd never like, you can't dismiss that. They had six pro bowlers coming off that one season where they were bad, got Andy Reid. And now you add to it, they got Alex Smith. Then they got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know, so they turned losing into winning. Uh, see, Baltimore's not a fair comparison, although they tried something outside the box and different took a gamble. It worked with Lamar Jackson. Correct. Uh, but they know how to win. They've already had that winning culture. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, let Le'Veon Bell go, Antonio Brown go. <laughs> you still got Tomlin. You, heck, you lose your quarterback and you still win like eight games last year or seven games, whatever they did. Eight. And because they've won. They know how to win. Like it's already there. I'm talking about the teams that have turned it around. Like in Buffalo – it looks like they're trending to a spot where they're gonna win for a bit. Like I don't know how big. But this wasn't like, hey, they went to the playoffs against Jacksonville and then they went two and fourteen. They no. no. They went from the playoffs in Jacksonville. That was the early part of the build. Yeah. Now they continue to get better and better and they're probably the favorites in the AFC East right now. Mm-hmm. They were patient with a the quarterback. They got McDermott in. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously been very good. Mm -hmm. And then some of their personnel moves. They did take a bit of a gamble. They went out and said, hey, we need Stefan Diggs. You know, we're going to trade away what looks like a lot. At least it did to me. And Stefan Diggs has worked out. Uh, You know, the Rams, what did they do? Well, to me, what they did is McVeigh. Like McVeigh is totally different. He was this new wave. They took a chance on a young young, uh, coach and they hit on it. Mm Uh, who's my other? Oh, the Raiders. The Raiders said, hey, we're going to take a guy out of the booth. And John Gruden, obviously, there's history there. Yeah. But we're going to give him a 10-year deal. And we're going to take Mike Mayock from the NFL Network. And we're going to give him the opportunity to do it. And honestly, I'm not even sure if that's working totally. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it could be trending in a decent direction. I There's different ways to do it. The Jags have to find the way to do it, because what Tennessee did is they took a guy that if you were around the NFL and if you've heard people talk, people said for a long time, Mike Vrabel's going to be very good. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. took they, by the way, did take a chance. Mike Malarkey's in Atlantic Beach right now, even though he had two winning seasons, like two of the winning seasons that Tennessee had had in like the previous decade. For and sure. they still said, you know what? I don't think he's our guy. We're going to go with a different guy, and we're going to go get Mike Vrabel. Yeah. You know? So they did take a chance, and then they took a chance on Ryan Tannehill that worked out. They kind of fell into a little bit, too, but they're now taking a chance with the big contract. So what was the question? Well, the whole (laughs) – I'm always – what are what always have to do? searching what for? Do how mean? do you turn it around? Okay, right? Gotcha. How do you turn these? I'm giving you examples of places that yeah. have lost, so, like no, the Rams, simple. the Titans, the Bills, the Raiders, that have lost and yeah. now they're winning. How? Listen. So, how, how do you turn it around? Right? There is a
0: reason why the Tennessee Titans, at least when I was making my you know preseason predictions, that they're going to be a shoo-in they, to win the AFC South, and it was simply from the fact that when you're going through COVID-19 and everything's different. All you have to fall back on is your identity. And the Tennessee Titans know exactly who they are. Now, I made a mistake last night. I said that the Bills are going to win. But far be it from me, I'm like, well, you know what? The Tennessee Titans know who they are. Why wouldn't they win when they're going through adversity? Why wouldn't they win when they set up for like 12 straight days, red home, supposedly, not practicing? They already know who they are. The hard part's over. It's funny because in the NFL, We always want to say when it's teams like the Jets, like it's the Jaguars, like it's the Giants, what do you want to do first? Do you want to blame the coaching and say, well, the coaching stinks, the coaching here, the coaching here, get rid of the coach? But when teams have success and when teams win and set aside from the New England Patriots, you want to talk about the players first before the coaches. People want to talk about Patrick Mahomes before you talk about Andy Reid. People want to talk about Lamar Jackson before you talk about Harbaugh. People want to talk about Russell Wilson before you talk about Pete Carroll. So what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say the fact that what all these teams have in common Is that the coach's personality and the coach's identity is reflected in their play, right? That's why I'm such a fan of how the Tennessee Titans operate. Now, yeah, I'm not a Titans fan, obviously, but I respect what they've done to change that culture around because Mike Brabel is an old school kind of guy. He believes in pounding the rock and playing solid defense. It showed in his play when he was in the league, and it shows right now. They, like, the Tennessee Titans are the quote, you know, essential personality of Mike Brabel. Same thing with Mike Tomlin. Hard-nosed, um, all-about-the-business, no-nonsense type of football, which has always been the Steelers' way, but Mike Tomlin personifies that. Pete Carroll you saw a little bit where it was like, you know, this defense, this brash, state-of-the-art defense, and now he's evolved where it's more of like a fun-loving offense that Russell Wilson has the control of. And obviously, Andy Reid, I don't really need to talk about Andy Reid because you know what he's bringing to the table. So my point is that the teams that are having success right now, and in Buffalo, McDermott's the same thing, Brent. You want to talk about the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, they got Josh Allen, but guess what? They're going to pound the rock first and do what? Play tough defense, a blue-collar mentality. That is that is McDermott personified. Listen to any interview with him at the microphone. The guy's old school to all get out. So, when I put all that together, it's that the Jaguars got to find somebody that has an identity. I don't care if it's offensive minded or old school defensive minded, but it's got to shine through in the way this team plays. And I think even if you go back to 2017, I don't think Doug Marone's personality, per se, has ever been personified on this team. I don't think a lot of coaches that have coached here, their personality has shined through with these players.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. I think about what you say about the identity a lot, and, and what I come back Back to here in Jacksonville is I still don't know what the hell the identity is of this football team. I think uh, if I look at Doug Marone right now, I think that would be my main criticism of him is I still don't know what the identity of this football team is. I didn't last year. I don't this year, and we're five games in. And we talked about this a lot in the offseason. you got to establish that identity. What's it going to be? I thought it was going to be the offense. I'm still not really sure it is the offense. I, back in 17 when they did win, and I'm not saying it's an automatic win, right? If you know your identity, it doesn't mean you're automatically going to win and win big. But when they did win, we knew what their identity was. They came in and said, we are going to be physical up front, and we're going to run the football. Yeah, they They knew that. And obviously their defense was a big part of their identity, too. But even offensively, even with some of their, you know, Lack of talent, lack of explosiveness, lack of whatever on offense. I don't know how many people would have signed up for their offense. They still knew who they were, right? And they gave the ball to Leonard Fournette and they followed that offensive line and they wanted to be physical. That's why they had a tough camp, all that stuff. Yeah. Like outside of that, like, and and again, maybe it just is because they won that I know that happened. You know, I don't know, the chicken or the egg type thing, but outside of that, I, I feel like, it's funny thing because Shad Khan has been so loyal that he's kept continuity, and I think he's tried to do the continuity thing at the coaching and GM because he looks at places like Pittsburgh and New England, and they've kept, you know, they keep those guys around. Sure. But if you really look at it, they have been super inconsistent. Yeah. Well, you know, as super inconsistent with their methodology, with what they believe in, with who's actually running the show, yeah. with all this stuff. Like, even in these last four years, super, like, Tom Coughlin was running the show. Then it shifted to Doug Marone. Now Tom Coughlin's out. Now we're a defensive team. No, we're an offensive team. I mean, it's really been inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, like, I think back to when I had Jack Del Rio as a coach, right? When I first came in my rookie year. We went 8-8, eight and eight, but we still underachieved. But, like, we knew who we were. Like, Jack Del Rio, the very first day of training camp, he established what we were going to be. Simple as that. And if we didn't live up to those expectations, then we were out of here. I just feel like right now you have a team that you can't really say what they are. And if if you're a Jaguars fan and you're like a message board or something like that, you're in public. And, you know, let's say a Chiefs fan or some other, other fan from a different team asks you, hey, what are you guys for identity? And you can't answer that question? Well, then you're probably going to be set up for failure. Yeah. Simple as that.
1: You got to know who you are. I don't know if you can answer that question. For the well, then you got a problem. Do you? No, you can't. and yeah. that's why you got a problem. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Rays and Braves are unbelievable, by the way. Uh, They're really good. Might mention them next on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau. Uh, Then I said, still looking for his fourth career sack. Austin Lake. Spending pretty much every single
0: day with somebody for pretty much two years now that you know somebody. And they surprise you. (laughs) I sit here before you right now and I am surprised.
1: Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Him pretty good and he lost feeling, but I think, um, you know, after he got through that inning and came back in, he got all of his strength back and, and all. And, uh, he should be okay. We'll see you in the morning. Was funny bone thing or yeah, yeah, just stung him good and he lost, you know, went numb on him. Um, it just takes a while to, for it to come back. You know, who that is that's, uh, Snicker, the manager of uh, the Braves, but I don't know who he's referring oh, wow. to. He's not referring to Duval, yeah, you he? Because Duvall had the oblique, I think.
0: Another pretty big name Braves player. Uh,
1: there's a bunch of them: Freeman, Albert Freeman. Freeman. I didn't, re- I didn't see that part. So he got dinged up on the on the funny bone. I didn't see that. I almost been flipping back and forth at, at that time. Uh, Braves are good. Yeah, they're on a roll. although yeah, they almost blew it. <laughs> Did you see the? Did you see the uh, questioning? Uh, there was a tweet that goes around on the virtual question, right? And yeah. there was somebody—I don't know who it was—but it was the uh, Melanson, the pitcher that saved the game for the Braves. But they had a runner on third, and and uh, the tying run would have been the runner on third. They were up seven nothing in the game, so they had eight seven tying run there. Yep. <laughs> so this guy's asking a question, and like I get the context of the question. But he was doing such a bad job of asking the question. And and he was like, uh, he's like, do you take anything out of the fact that you you were able to, whi- you know, wiggle out of the jam, basically, and go up to nothing, even though you almost, you basically blew the leaf. <laughs> yeah. And so he's he's really having a hard time, like, asking the question, okay? Okay. And Melanson's like, I don't get your question. And so he asked it again. I don't get your question. Asked it again, and he's like, "We didn't blow the lead." Yeah. <laughs> it's like we didn't blow it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we might have almost like he didn't say this, but we we didn't blow the lead. Yeah, and so he asked it one more time, and he's like, "I, I just don't get your question. I'm not. I'm not even going to answer your question." Uh, but the funny thing um, is, like, I think I know what the reporter was going after. Yeah, basically yeah. saying, "Hey, you almost blew the lead." Of course, yeah, it could have been demoralizing. Yep. Like it could have been awful, and instead, not only are you up to nothing. But you figured out a way not to blow the lead, correct? You know, correct. Uh, you held them off, yep. and you just <laughs> it was just like this. You get some of the awkward, uh, uh, you because know, probably on the player side is like, am I hearing all this correctly? And uh, you know, some of us don't ask questions the the right way all the time. But
0: oh no, um, I, mean, I mean, but like, see, if that's the case, then I would ask a new question. Like, I am not going to triple down. And ask the same question over and over when it's not getting through. Simple as that. It's like, a like just let hint. it go.
1: Don't yeah. ask this question. Read the room, man. It's not working. Let yeah, it go. This guy was persistent, man. He yeah. was like, "Well, I'm gonna ask the damn question." Yeah, <laughs> like like he spent like his entire life waiting for this one question, and all of a sudden he's gonna ask it. Like, let it go, man. It's all right. Braves and Rays is not going to be a blockbuster ratings win. No, not at all. Although I'm not really sure Houston and the Braves would. Braves and Dodgers. I don't know. I, I just uh, don't. You know, it would have been a little better. Dodgers it was the Dodgers. Come on now. Unless yeah. you were Dodgers Yankees, you're not going to win the ratings anyway. Uh, is it better or worse for the Houston Astros to be out of the play out if they do get beat? Which better. now they're down three nothing. But is it better yeah. that they're out, or would it be better if they're in? Just because of the storyline. No, listen, it's it's better for me because
0: I don't want to see the Astros. I want, I want to see the baseball gods prevail, and I don't want cheaters to win. N- nice guys are supposed to finish first, not last. Um, I think, though, that in terms of ratings and in terms of tuning in to watch – I think the Astros being in there would make a difference. I think that would put the needle um a little more over just to say, well, we want to watch the Astros lose, or if you're like that small fan base in Houston or around the country really where you like cheering for the winner, but well, then Houston's kind of been that front runner. So they have a lot going for themselves. I think when you have two new teams that I don't know if some people aren't familiar with, but like, you know, people aren't necessarily up to date on it if it's the Braves or if it's the
1: Rays, I think you got problems. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. First of all, I think it would be better if they were in. And better if the Astros were in. Yeah. yeah. Be, well, one, because the Rays are so small market, like in the sense they're not, Tampa's not small, but in the baseball sense, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, doesn't have a wide range of fans. They have no stars to watch. Mm-hmm. They, they, quite frankly, if you don't like baseball, they don't even really have an exciting brand of baseball that they play. Yeah. Uh, which I thought like that's really interesting in Major League Baseball. What they did, they, they use these bubble parks. And the Texas Park is massive, yeah, like massive park. I mean it might as well be the polo grounds this day and age, yeah, and then the Padres Park is already pretty big. It's not considered a hitter's park. Mm-hmm. No more balls fly out of there now, but and it's got a shorter like indentation in in right field, but that's like where they've been, and it's interesting in this day and age of home runs. well, we finally got eight to seven yesterday thanks to a late rally. But outside of that, it's been a lot of pitching and not a lot of runs scored. Mm -hmm. So the brand of baseball, at least from the average viewer's mind, is probably like, that's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been a lot of good baseball if you really like baseball. But anyway, I think Houston being in would add to the storyline. So therefore, and it would be good versus evil potentially. And I think it would definitely be better for baseball. I also think the fact that the Astros made it here nobody wants to admit or talk about uh, is – they had a down season, so this might contradict, but it shows you that they're pretty darn good anyway. You know, yeah. they yeah, they cheated the game. It's wrong. They should be penalized. They they should have haters. Uh, all of that stuff. I I kind of like the Astros organization, what they built. I oh, think they I were pretty it, good anyway. Built uh, Go through the farm system and then got the high-priced patents when you needed them. But you can't do what they did. You know, mm-hmm. and and they've been punished, and I think they'll wear that for a long time. All that stuff. Uh, but I. I do think they're pretty good baseball players. I mean, those guys are pretty darn good. They don't have Verlander this year. That might have made a difference, although it's really been hitting with runners in scoring position that's been a problem. And they have been a lot. Of, if, the, if there are baseball gods, yeah, this Houston team, this series against the Rays, have been maybe the most unluckiest yeah. three games I've ever witnessed in, base, in a baseball series. I mean, they have had more hits. They've had more guys on. They've hit into double plays. Last night, the Rays had... Four great plays in the outfield. Three diving one and one against the wall by Kiermaier. And another play nobody was talking about earlier in the game at shortstop that was terrific mm-hmm. uh, that Adamas made and Diaz picked over at first. That was a terrific play. They have made just about every play possible. And the Astros have outhit' them and had chances. And they're not getting there. And, of course, the Altuve stuff has, has been really interesting from a karma uh, standpoint since he was front and center in the cheating scandal. And now he can't even throw it to first or second base. Is that like the yips? It's got to be the yips. Yeah. It's interesting. It's funny because I'm obviously a big Altuve. I like Altuve, one, because I got to show, like, Ty all that time. Because he's not time, a
0: typical-looking right?
1: baseball player. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's tiny, right? So we got and a, he's a good player. Um, And uh, it's, I think Steph really likes, like, Altuve, too, because she's like, he's got to be hurt. Like he's got to be hurt. Yeah. Like he's not hurt. Yeah. He can't throw it. As soon as and it's all in, in his, his own head. head. Yeah. And he can't throw it the first. He can't throw it the second. I mean, it's unbelievable. But it's happened before. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now uh, with Jose Altuve, which is unbelievable on this stage to happen. I don't think he's had a case of that before. No. But he's not hurt. Well, especially if he from he was hurt, experience factor
0: out. too. Like, right? He's been here before.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, it's bizarre what's going on. So yeah. uh, anyway, them and the Braves are playing unbelievable ball. Yeah. I mean, they. I wonder if the series turned a little bit last night, though, because the Dodgers are really good. Oh, yeah, they're and, loaded. And, and they're better than everybody. The Dodgers on paper are better than everybody. Correct. But the Dodgers' bullpen is weak, and it's a problem. Uh, and right now the Braves are pitching out of their minds up until the last inning. Yes. last night. Yeah. And you wonder is even though they won the game, did the series turn? It's going to be really interesting well, today.
0: No, and it definitely it begs the question, though, no, because the, the the Braves' bats are obviously alive and well right now, where if the Braves can keep attacking those, because listen, the Dodgers have the starters to win this thing, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. But can they go six? Can they go seven? Can they get deep um, in the game? Or do you stop in the fourth and fifth Rely on some of those relievers that have been getting shelled, to say the least. And all of a sudden, you're in the game a little bit. I just think right now the Braves are playing good baseball. They're hitting the ball well, and if they can keep on doing that.
1: It doesn't matter what kind of pitch you got in LA for your starters. Uh, no, it won't. Uh, it, it won't matter at all. Uh, you know, the Jaguars uh, traded for uh, Correa. Yeah. Uh, the linebacker. Who wasn't the guy that got the? He wasn't. We looked the it up. Kick, unfortunately. But you know, as we're talking about him, I'm going back and I'm thinking. And then we looked it up again. Mm-hmm. He actually, like, so this is the guy that was, he he played really well for the Ravens. Yeah. You say he's drafted out of Boise State, right? Correct. Uh, and he was playing well, I believe, for the Ravens. And then they got rid of him and C.J. Mosley. They basically let him walk. Yeah. And now the latest from Nashville is, so then anyway, he goes and signs with the Titans. Yeah. And I think he played pretty well last year. But now they're not, like, he was a healthy scratch last night. Mm-hmm. And so he's ticked off and basically wanted to trade. And earlier today, Vrabel basically said, hey, if we can't find a trade partner, we're, we're just going to release him. And, uh, well, the Jags obviously were interested. So it's yeah. a, it's an interesting uh, path from Correa. But I'm pretty sure he was with Mosley. Mosley, remember, they let Mosley walk and get the big deal with the Jets. And uh, then obviously... Uh, they let Correa go as well, even though I think that's somebody they could assign. I think he was so, playing well for Baltimore at the time. Yeah, so he ended up getting drafted
0: um, in the second round out of Boise State, goes to Baltimore his rookie year, um, plays in nine games, mostly a special teams guy. 2017, played in 16 games, once again kind of a special teams guy, and then gets traded to Tennessee in 2018
1: for a six-round pick. And then... Oh, so that was it. So, uh, so they weren't as high on him as I thought they were.
0: No. Okay. And then... um. Yeah, so I guess he kind of underachieved because I, mean, I remember like them taking him, and then I guess uh, for whatever reason I thought like he actually started some games for them, but it sounds like he was more of a special teams guy than entire
1: time. Okay, so yeah, so maybe I mean it's it's Kamale Correa to the Jags. They yeah. basically swap late round picks and they get him, and we'll see. Maybe it's just special teams, a depth play, strong side linebacker. Uh, it's not gonna wow you, um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Jags do with this latest move. And then 2019, actually, I think he got his playing time then. He ended up having... I thought he was good for them last year, I
0: remember. Yeah. Um Finished the season with 37 tackles, five sacks, two pass deflections,
1: and a fumble recovery. Yeah, so he was very productive Um, for him
0: last year. And in the playoffs, we recorded two sacks and 13 tackles.
1: Yeah, see, that's when I remember the storyline. I remember the storyline, okay, I think he was with Mosley in Baltimore. So Baltimore had Correa and Mosley, at Mm -hmm. least on their roster. They might not have used him like he was being used last year. Yeah. But then Correa comes in and obviously does very well second half of the year during that run. And now he's found himself on the bench. So yeah. maybe he just had a moment, you know, a, a couple of months, a good, a good little flash there. I mean, for the Titans, I'm gonna but. be
0: honest, man, it's crazy because he only started five games last year for the Titans. Obviously, he with those injuries or whatever the reason may be, he comes in for the playoffs. By my accounts, absolutely blows the doors off, and then they kind of deep. I don't say deep promote him, but like they put him back down to special teams. And then they don't keep him around. Like I feel like if you got a guy that shined that much in the playoffs, I know it. Won't well, take a, but, but I, he I guess does it, too but, Yeah. <laughs> no for sure. But I guess it kind <laughs> of shows tipped. you No, without a doubt, but I guess it kind of shows you the, the the depth of the Tennessee Titans, um, to say the
1: least. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with anything they're doing right now as they continue to win games. I'm not I wanted to ask it. you this. Hey, uh Le'Veon Bell, another one, mm-hmm. disgruntled, says CLA. Who really interesting, right? Because Jamal Adams, when Jamal Adams was disgruntled, wasn't it Le'Veon Bell that said something about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, he had something to say. That was wild. Yeah. But here's my question about <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. As it's, you know, who knows where he ends up. Mm. But aren't the Pittsburgh Steelers geniuses at the isn't. end of the day? It's absolutely crazy because you have to keep in mind when
0: Le'Veon Bell chose to sit out, he was regarded as one of the best running backs, if not the best Top running three. back in the entire NFL. And obviously the emergence of James Conner helped them out, but the feeling before James Conner was like, what are the Steelers doing, right? Right. But it seems like, listen, they've been through a lot of adversity. Antonio Brown, obviously. Le'Veon Bell. No other team in the NFL has lost, essentially, probably the best wide receiver at the time in the NFL. And at least the top three or the best running back on the roster as well. No team has ever done that. And it's almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers are a better team for having gone through that. And it goes to show you just what kind of organization at the top you have in the Pittsburgh Steelers, but also what kind of captain Mike Tomlin is as well.
1: Yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, they made a decision and they got better by getting rid of some guys, you know, some really star potential guys. Uh, it, I think it's a little bit of what the whole, the Jags were trying to do, whether it was Fournette or Ramsey or whoever, yeah. and trying to kind of get the same bump. The problem is the teams are a little bit different. The cultures are a little different. The quarterbacks have been different. All that stuff. What also is eye-popping is I think he played 18 games and got $28 million for the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. I can't even make fun of it because, I mean, how much did Nick Foles get for the amount of games that he, you know, yeah. the Jags have done the same. But you know what? It's a common thread. You make some really bad moves. Maybe you get a little unlucky, but the Jets and the Jags aren't too far away in their success. Yeah. And if you look at what they've had, trouble keeping star players now, Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell, and others. Uh, and if you the waste of money that they've had, and and waste of draft picks, and not good enough draft picks. It's an unfortunate common thread. Unfortunately, you can. Tie those teams in much easier than you can tie in what we talked about earlier. How did the Bills fix it? Yeah. How did the Titans fix it? How did the Rams fix it? How are the Jags going to fix it? Is an age-old question around here. You got to you got to know who you are, Brent. You got to know who you are. It starts there, right? It who, starts
0: there. Who are you, Brent Martino? It's
1: a good question. I'll think about huh? it tonight. What's my identity? <laughs> sounds like a two and fourteen season for ESPN six ninety. I'll get my sunshine and rainbow shirt out. There we go. Now we're Maybe talking. we we'll a good battle of the sunsets tonight. you got to know who you are, man. Know about the brand. <laughs> we'll see you on TV tonight. CBS 47 and Fox 30. Jags Wired coming up tonight at 7.30 on Fox 30. Make sure you tune in for that one as well. We'll be back tomorrow on ESPN 690. Live Local Loud is up next. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Do you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.